In this prequel episode, we're chatting about Pride Month and previewing Brokeback Mountain. Oh, welcome back to this film. It's like the podcast where we talk about movies that are based on books. This one a book or a short story? It's a short story. Okay. And short stories. It is Pride Month, so we're going to be discussing, uh, we're going to be talking about Brokeback Mountain next week, which was a bit of a schedule change, but we're going to get into that with our very first segment, which isn't really a well, learning thing segment. On. We have the listener oh, poll. sorry, the we poll. I forgot about the poll. <laughs> I don't have those notes in front of me. We do. We have a, a great turnout for our Lord of the Rings poll. Yeah, best response we've had on one of our polls thus yet. Mm-hmm. So how, how did people feel? Uh, the movie won out in a pretty big way. And we got most of the votes on both Facebook It was like over 80% for both, yeah, right? Yeah. yeah. Uh, the book did get some votes. I got 12% of the vote on Facebook and 14% of the vote on Twitter. Um, what was kind of interesting to me was that even though the book did get some votes in the actual polls, uh, nobody mounted a defense of the yeah, book. Yeah, I saw that. In the comments. And all the comments, and they were mostly on Facebook, a couple on mm-hmm. Twitter, all the comments were... Uh, agreeing with us yeah. um, in various ways yeah. about preferring the movie, at least this first movie, mm-hmm. um, which I thought was interesting. Yeah, so you know we're gonna do the same polls for Two Towers and Return of the King. So if you prefer the books, we really do genuinely want to know what your reasons are. Like, yeah. I'm interested to know because to me, and I feel like to you too, the movies are kind of the more obvious choice. It seems like I would for me? I would say so. Yeah, I, for me they are, and I and that's the thing. It's I mentioned it maybe during the main episode that I I kind of said maybe we should have got somebody on who not who hadn't read the books but who prefers the books. Yeah, that would have been interesting. Um, just as like that alternate uh, kind of viewpoint because I do prefer the movies, mm-hmm. and I am I, I I mentioned before I think I am biased because I I was so obsessed with them. Yeah. In the same way I was with the Harry Potter movie or books. Yes. So it's a little hard for me to try to divorce myself from that. I think I do a fairly I'm trying to do a fairly good job of sort of objectively as objectively as you can, mm-hmm. you know, uh, elucidate why it is I prefer and what they changed and did differently that I think is better from a storytelling perspective. Mm-hmm. But, you know. I would be really interested to hear somebody who's hard prefers the books over the yeah. movies or felt like especially if you're somebody who felt like the movies like were like did like portray betrayed some super um pivotal things like because i think it's similar to how we felt with harry potter where we felt like the movies betrayed like the thematic elements yeah yeah and didn't drive home points in the same way that the book uh, that the books did Mm -hmm. especially because we still thought the movies were okay in harry potter like none of them were outright terrible necessarily and i think most people would be saying similar things about Lord of the Rings, even people who loved the books and preferred them. I don't think many of them would say like, these movies are awful and like, you know what mm-hmm. I mean? They just would maybe prefer certain elements. So I wouldn't be really interested to see. Yeah. So if you do prefer were. the books, we really do want to know. We like, we want to hear from you. Um, and I promise we're not just going to like shit all over no, you, no. but we're not about that. No, <laughs> um, unless so. you have a really terrible take, but like, it, <laughs> Unless your ta- your opinion is because it was first, like okay, but, that is a pretty terrible thing, <laughs> or something equally stupid. But like in yeah. general, no, they're not gonna. Yeah. 
Yeah, so we are interested to know that. Um, we did get quite a few comments on Facebook. Um, there were some comments that I liked a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, Joanna. I thought all of them were yeah, great. All, all yeah, all of them were really yeah, great. Yeah. I just have pulled a couple quotes right. here. Um, Joanna made a really good point. Uh, she said, I liked the movie because it was so well adapted that I didn't even notice what scenes were cut from the book. The, yeah. Which I think is a fantastic point. There are definitely moments where you don't, you yeah. forget what, if you especially if you haven't read it in a little while, mm-hmm. you know, and it's easier for us because we just reread it. But yeah, right. if you read it five or 10 years ago, you'd be like, oh, yeah, that's what yeah. happens. <laughs> and I think, you know, to take, go back to Harry Potter again, I think there are some points in the movie series where you can tell that they cut stuff. Yeah. Um, but Especially I, in those later books yes. or later movies. The first I, I would actually because I had this feeling with the first movie or two mm-hmm. where there were moments where I almost forgot what was from the movie and what wasn't and yeah. what you know what i mean like yeah. oh yeah that was only in the movie or that wasn't oh yeah that wasn't in the movie that kind of thing because mm-hmm. i think those first two are a lot more true to the yeah the, the first books. two are a lot more uh, similar but with lord of the rings i think you can't really tell like it's pretty seamless yeah where they made cuts yeah. which is impressive um ian also on facebook said, I don't need to read about the 200-year history of the field they're crossing. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Which was great. Yeah. Um, and, you know, I, I think that's one of the things with Tolkien is that part of, like, the good thing about his obsession with, like, world building and, like, having the history of everything in there yeah. is that that is what gives us such a rich fantasy world. Which is why the movies yeah, work so that well. that pays yeah. off yeah. in the movies. Um but yeah, there are moments where it's kind of like, all right, come on. Yeah, where it come just doesn't on. feel. Yeah, I don't. Rain it in. I don't need all of this necessarily. Yeah. There was one more that I wanted to mention that somebody had said that I, I thought was uh, amusing, and I, I kind of tended to agree with. Let's see if I can find it really quick. Was it the one from Daryl? Because I believe that's so. The next one that oh, I, have I thought you only had here. two. I thought I was no. Yeah, I have no, the, it is. Yeah, that's it. the that's last it. one was maybe my my yeah, favorite, the best description of Lord of the Rings that I've maybe ever heard. Um, Daryl said, "Lord of the Rings is unique in that it succeeds as a story despite the writing." Yeah, which. <laughs> Yeah. Is kind of a sick burn it, on Tolkien. It's but. maybe overly critical, but I <laughs> I think he's being. It's a little bit like hyperbolic. Yes, and I think they, they would admit that. But it's also not yeah, false. Not, not incorrect. <laughs> Slightly hyperbolic, but not incorrect. Yeah. And I think they would uh, agree with that. Yeah. Yeah. Because there's definitely some very beautiful, obviously, tons of wonderful moments, but uh, in in his writing. But yeah, mm-hmm. I, I, you, you, the sentiment rings true. Yeah. Despite uh, but there were there were just places where, like I said, where he needed to maybe rein it in. Yeah. And like use some of that stuff as like, yeah. oh, this is what I wrote as an author to help inform my fantasy world, but maybe it doesn't necessarily need, need to, to be, be in, in the, the book. book. Yep, for sure. <laughs> All right, uh, let's move on. Like we said, thank you everybody who participated in the comments and stuff. And we figured we would get more turnout for mm-hmm. the Lord of the Rings, and we did. And uh, we're looking forward to Two Towers. Yes, yeah, I just started it today. One chapter in. I haven't started it yet. Boromir has just passed. <laughs> Spoilers. Rip. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, I'm one chapter in. Uh, but it's, uh, yeah, looking forward to it. So let's move along right now, though, to our... Quick little chat, not a full-on learning yeah. thing segment, but just a quick chat about uh, LGBT 
Q plus storytelling and Pride Month and why we're doing Brokeback Mountain and maybe why we shouldn't be. <laughs> yeah. So, so let's dig into that. Um, disclaimer first, we are not experts. Um, so this is a chatting segment. It's not a learning segment. We're not setting out to teach you guys anything no. here. Um, and as always, we encourage you to seek out LGBT plus creators, their art, their perspectives, mm-hmm. and to learn from them instead of learning primarily from people like us. Yeah. Um, so initially, this story was not on our schedule. Um, I had a picture book scheduled because I was like, "Ugh, it's going to be between two Tolkien books. It needs to be short. Um, But then we got a message on Facebook from a listener um, suggesting that we do something for Pride Month. And that listener suggested Brokeback Mountain. Mm -hmm. Um, And now as a side note, I really do appreciate suggestions like that. Like, especially in regard to stuff like, oh, it's Pride Month. Maybe you should do something like this. Um, I plan our schedule out so far in advance that I don't always remember stuff like that. We're like months out. Yes. Um, So, you know, in in December, I'm not always going to remember like, oh, June is Pride Month. So I need to schedule da 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 da. Um, You did remember last year, though, because we did Love, Simon, right? (laughs) That was in like March. Oh, so it was just. <laughs> I did not oh, it was remember. Oh, because when the movie year. was coming out. Yeah. That's what it was. Because that's when the sorry, that's when the movie came out. Um, yeah. yeah. Um, so thank you for that. Um, but even though it was suggested to us, um, I had a really big misgiving about Brookback mm-hmm. Mountain, um, which is that the short story was written by a presumably straight woman. Um, now I don't know for sure that Annie Prue is straight. Uh, she's been married three times, and at least one of those marriages was to a man. Yeah, but that doesn't um, necessarily... Right, that yeah. doesn't necessarily mean she's straight. But regardless, even if she isn't, uh, she's still not a gay man. Yeah. So there's that. No. <laughs> um, so why is this an issue? Um, I think you hear the argument fairly frequently that writers are like supposed to be able to write about stuff that they haven't experienced. Uh-huh. Um, you know, like, oh, they can use their imagination. They can um, relate kind of tangentially related experiences. They can do research, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Um, and I know that's an argument because I used to buy into that yeah. as a writer. I don't anymore, but I used to. So I, I, I know kind of that mindset um and in a perfect world i think that would be true about everything yeah like in a perfect world a straight woman imagining what it's like to be a gay man wouldn't really be any different than someone with blonde hair imagining what it's like to have red hair right um but we don't live in a perfect world Mm -hmm. and it's just not possible for someone who isn't from a marginalized group to know what it's like to live as a marginalized person. So I had misgivings about using a story that potentially wasn't from the perspective of someone who belongs to the LGBT yeah. community. Yeah, especially in this instance, I think it's, 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 it's because it is the story. Yeah. It's another, like, it's one yes. thing to like have a story where you have a, a gay character Mm-hmm. And you're trying to, you know, you do some research and try to do your best to represent that fairly. But when it is the focus of this, like, that's a, right. it's an entirely yeah, different. But when the focus is something that is so central and integral to the gay experience. Right. Yeah. We've got a totally different ball game yeah. than just, oh, I happen to have a gay character right. in my story. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, thank you for bringing yeah, that I just up. To kind of that's an important point a, a as well. Yeah. 
Um, so why go ahead with Brokeback Mountain <laughs> then? Um, well, to be honest, it mostly boils down to time constraints. Um, this was a last-minute switch in our schedule, like I said, and since we are right in the middle of The Lord of the Rings, it had to be something that was very, very short. Yeah. Um, and the addition that I have clocks in at around 30 pages, which is a thumbs up for me. Yeah. Um, and to go hand-in-hand hand with that, this book was already sitting on the shelf at our local library. There you go. Uh, some of the other options that I looked into, I would have had to request um, but this one, I was able to go out and get the very next day. Yeah. Um, so that is, you know, that is a factor. Um, another factor is that the film is famous and we do like to do stuff that people have heard of. Yeah. Um, another shitty symptom of our heteronormative culture mm -hmm. is that it is difficult for marginalized creators to even get their stories published, yeah. um, much less to have them become bestsellers and get options and become critically acclaimed films. Yeah. Uh, not that that has never happened, but when it does, it's the exception and not the rule. Right? Yeah. There are just fewer of those kinds of stories out there. Yeah. And I think this is one of those where it's 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 interesting to talk about despite how differently how many different facets of, of sort of problematic elements there may be to it and mm -hmm. how it was conceived or who wrote it or how they wrote it or the characters it portrays because it was it's you know 2005 the movie was 2005 mm -hmm. um, and it was and to some extent sort of a groundbreaking for such a big movie that was yeah. as successful yeah. as it was that essentially just primarily focused on two um for lack of a better term here we'll call we'll say gay characters there's discussion about that that i'll bring up in my movie notes and we'll mm -hmm. talk about yeah. much more in the main episode yeah. um but sort of the culturally perceived idea of them as two gay characters mm -hmm. as sort of the main characters of this film and and it being specifically about their relationship yeah yeah, uh, yeah i i'm sure there were other movies before that that was the case but probably not if I had to, I did, I should have looked that up more specifically. Probably not to the same um, uh, exposure that mm -hmm. this this film had. So I think it's important to discuss, even if we watch it and go, "That's this is a nightmare." You know what yeah. I mean? I'm not saying it will yeah. be. I'm just saying, but even if we watch it, I think it's interesting to talk about and discuss. Even if we watch it and go, "Wow, this," you know. And there are some moments in some of the notes I have for the film of people even discussing it that to me felt a little like. Because it's 2005, you right. know, and that and sort of thing. The 2005, and of course, we all know that this movie has been memed to death, yeah. um, which is another potentially problematic thing. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I, I think there is a little bit of like give and take there. Yeah. Like, and that's another shitty symptom yeah. of our heteronormative culture, I think, is that there does have to be a give and take. Um, like, in order to get these stories out into the mainstream, yeah. there is that kind of like, you have to pay the piper element yeah. to it. Yeah, which, yeah, it sucks. Yeah, but. it sucks. Um, but, and I want to reassure you guys that we have no plans to ignore any potentially problematic issues with either the story or the movie. Mm -mm. Um, if we need to dig into it, and I imagine we will, we will dig into yeah. it or as best we can <laughs> yeah. again as best we can uh, always you know we say this coming in as neither of us also being gay men or bisexual right. men that <laughs> that, that, that can <laughs> you know uh, yeah that, that that so like the same critique we're giving of the author us coming in to critique that 
you know, yeah, it's, its, its own. It's its own potentially problematic thing. Well, we're trying to be aware of it right. at least. We are trying to be aware of it, and like f- at least for me personally, it's not always comfortable to do stories that are coming from marginalized places. Yeah. But I am also not going to ignore it right. and pretend like that doesn't exist yeah. and like just not make an effort. Yeah. So. Yeah. So we're kind of like walking that tightrope. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and, and, you know, we do, I would like to do better with this. Mm-hmm. Um, earlier this year, we had this realization, like I was looking back at the list of stuff that we yeah. done, had this realization that a lot of the books we've covered were written by or were about white people. So I went back and I made a conscious effort to include more authors, more stories of color in our upcoming mm-hmm. schedule. And I want to be able to do the same plus the same for LGBT plus authors and mm-hmm. stories. Um, so if you have suggestions, yeah, we would love to hear those suggestions. For sure. Yeah. And it's also a thing we'd like to in the future. Uh, again, this one was a little bit more short notice, but if we can find ways to include voices that mm-hmm. come from that perspective, yeah, I would As love a guest to host have and that sort of thing, on. we we would love to do that. Uh, it's again, it, it it all comes down to scheduling and you know, yeah. it's not an easy thing to do. But definitely, we're certain things would if we have a, and, and then you know, not to mention we're a very small podcast, and depending on who, mm-hmm. you know, we can find people in our in our little community and stuff that would like to come and maybe talk. But regardless, it all takes scheduling and setting up. So. Uh, if we have those stories and we get those suggestions ahead of time and we can kind of plan it out, we yeah. may be able to actually get more representation of the voices talking about these topics as opposed to just the two of us. So Yeah, definitely. So that's why we're doing Brokeback Mountain. There you go. <laughs> Please don't cancel us. All right, moving on. To, uh, let's preview said Brokeback Mountain and talk about the short story. I suggest you get in here pronto. Well, since we're going to be working together, I reckon it's time we start drinking together. All right, so this is a 1977 short story by American author Annie Prue. Um, I did look up how to pronounce her name. So it is like it a, is, it's, it's French. Yeah, it's I French. Um, that is apparently the author-approved pronunciation okay. is Prue, um, which I was not expecting. It's been a long time since I had any French. Um, it was originally published in The New Yorker, and the story won the 1998 National Magazine Award for Fiction, and it placed third for the 1998 O. Henry Award, um, which is like a big fucking deal award in literary huh. circles, the O. Henry um, a slightly expanded version of the story was published in Prue's 1999 collection of short stories, Close Range, Wyoming Stories, um, which is the edition that I got from the library. Um, and that collection was also a finalist for the 2000 Pulitzer Prize for Fiction, which, as we know, is another fucking big deal award. True. <laughs> uh, the story is told by an omniscient narrator, which means it's not from the perspective of any of the characters. So we're going to be um, dealing with that, like, all-knowing God voice. In the book. In the book, so yeah. Because I don't think the movie has any sort of narration. Does I, it? I don't it's know. I've never time. seen the movie. Oh, okay. I watched it in yeah. high school film class, but it's been a long time, and I don't recall, so. 
It was literally like 2007, so I don't don't remember. (laughs) Yeah, I don't know about the movie. I don't know if there's a narrator or not. Um, But yeah, the story, the short story, is an omniscient narrator. Okay. Um, Regarding the story's setting, Prue has stated uh, rural rural North America, uh, regional cultures, the images of an ideal and seemingly attainable world the characters cherish in their long views despite the rigid and difficult circumstances of their place and time, interest me and are what I write about. I watch for the historical skew between what people have hoped for and who they thought they were and what befell them. Um, She has also mentioned before um, the inspiration for this story was supposedly uh, she once noticed a middle-aged man in a bar who appeared to be watching only the men play pool, which led her to consider the life of a typical Western ranch hand who might be gay. Um, So, (laughs) a lot going on there. Yeah. Um, (laughs) Yeah. um, This story has also been adapted as an opera um, of the same name. And according to the person who recommended that we do this story, the opera is very bad. So. Well, there you go. That's your Brokeback Mountain book facts. Now let's move on to the movie facts. You know, it could be like this, just like this always. This thing grabs hold of us in the wrong place, and we're dead. Boy, sure found a way to make the time pass up there. You don't go up there to fish. You don't know nothing about her. You have no idea how bad it gets. If you can't fix it, you got a standard. I wish I knew how to quit you. Brokeback Mountain is a 2005 film directed by Ang Lee. Ang Lee? Ang Lee? I think it's Ang Lee, but I've heard both. Uh, Who's also probably most notably directed Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon, Hmm. Hulk, and Life of Pi, most not most recently, but Life of Life Pi. Life of Pi is on our schedule later a, this year. There you go. Won an Oscar for Life of Pi. Uh, the film was adapted by Larry McMurdy and Diana Osana, who hadn't really ever, and still haven't to this day, really ever written any other well-known major motion pictures. They mostly hmm. wrote Western TV shows and made-for-TV like Western films and stuff that I could see scrolling through. Hmm. They were like a writing team, and I was scrolling through their... So they wanted, like, I guess they wanted people who had like the Western, yeah, that, like, that kind that, of experience. Yeah, they, but they're the ones who adapted it, and it, yeah, there again, I thought that was interesting. Uh, the film was nominated for eight Academy Awards, well, nominated for five and won three, uh, won Best Director, Best Writing, and Best Original Score, and it was nominated for Best Picture, Lead Actor, Supporting Actor, Supporting Actress, and Cinematography. And I wish I had written, I believe Lead Actor was Heath Ledger and Supporting Actor was Jake Gyllenhaal. I feel like that sounds right. I think that was correct. I, I saw it and then I forgot to write which was which. But And then Supporting Actress for, um not Anne Hathaway, but uh, uh, what's her name? Um, Michelle Williams. Mm-hmm. Uh, Heath Ledger declined to go, uh, some random fun facts, Heath Ledger declined to go on the one-month cowboy camp that they had, that had been organized for the actors because he grew camp? up on farms in Western oh. Australia. Hmm. Jake Gyllenhaal, however, was required to attend because he needed roughing up. <laughs> but Heath Ledger was like, I'm good. I got it. <laughs> the poster for this film, which this is, I got your social media post here for you. Ready-made social media post. Poster was specifically designed to resemble the Titanic movie poster. Really? 
And if you look, it is very the way the it's their two faces uh-huh. and they're look, kind of looking away from each other over like the mountains. Whereas the Titanic, oh, it's like over okay, the bow yeah, of the ship. Gonna they're very, side, we're going to do a side. As I said, side. I got you. I have a, I have a ready-made <laughs> content here for you. Um, but yeah, they it specifically designed it to resemble that mm-hmm. sort of one of the most famous romance movies of the last you know previous ten years. Yeah. Or whatever, so. Gus Van Zant uh, originally attempted to adapt the film. Uh, he was hoping to cast Matt Damon as Ennis and Joaquin Phoenix as Jack. Hmm. But Matt Damon told the director, and I doubt he would say this same sentence these days. It's not as bad as it's, but it's it's a, it's, <laughs> really? a, it's, a, it's a little really? bit. Of, it's a minor yikes, at least. <laughs> I assume it was more tongue in cheek, but still. Gus, I did a gay movie, The Talented Mr. Ripley, then a cowboy movie, All the Pretty Horses. I can't follow it up with a gay cowboy movie. Yeah, that's at least one small yike. At least yike. one small yike. Um, <laughs> but but it, again, does, it does sound like it was it maybe meant more to be tongue-in-cheek. It's more as, a, jo- as yeah. like a, a joke and that yeah. sort of thing. And who knows how even true it is. Like, yeah, but um, Gus Van Zandt uh, eventually didn't make, obviously Ang Lee made this film, uh, but so he didn't get to make it, but he did go on to make Milk. And Gus Van Zandt actually is gay, whereas uh, Ang Lee is not. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, he went on to make Milk, which is another one we could have... Oh, that, I don't know if that's based on a book. I mean, it's real life. I don't know if it's based on like a biography or something. Yeah, I'll I'll look into it. Yeah, maybe. Um, Anne Hathaway stated during her audition, she lied to Ang Lee about her knowledge of horse riding so that he would cast her. Did she have to go to cowboy camp? Subsequently, she took horse riding lessons for two (laughs) months. Okay, so to get into it uh, a little bit here, just for a moment, there's lots. There's been lots of discussion about the sexuality of the two main characters. Mm-hmm. Uh, a number of reviewers at the time noted that they weren't actually gay, but in fact bisexual, because mm-hmm. they engage in relationships with both men and women over the course of the film, or at least one of them does, from my memory. I don't mm-hmm. remember if they both do. And they were just talking about it, and so this is some of the this is Jill and Hall and Heath Ledger kind of both talking about it at the time, being asked questions about playing the characters and what they thought you know was going on. Jill and Hall concluded that Ennis and Jack were actually straight men who develop who develop quote develop this love this bond end quote, saying in a Dallas in a details interview, I approached the story believing that these are actually two straight guys who fall in love, which mm. again. Uh, this is 2004. The discussions and the and the sort of knowledge and awareness around right. the community in general has grown infinitely. Not infinitely, but a lot, a lot since even even the hallowed days of 2004 or whenever <laughs> this interview was from. Uh, Heath Ledger was quoted in Time magazine saying, "I don't think Ennis could be labeled as gay. Without Jack Twist, I don't th- know that he would have ever come out. I think the whole point was that it was two souls that fell in love with each other. Again, maybe potentially lacking." The, the vocabulary and the idea of what a bisexual person is. Yeah. Or it sounds, that Heath Ledger quote sounds more like a pansexual person. Yeah, yes. Yeah. yeah. Well, yeah, fair enough. Yeah. yeah. And maybe just kind of lacking uh, language there mm-hmm. to kind of, and just sort of trying to put it in their words that make sense to them as actors without really, you know, yeah. knowing a lot about it. Heath Ledger and Michelle Williams actually met and fell in love on the set of this film. So at least, you know, woo, thank God a straight relationship came out of this film. <laughs> <laughs> Uh yeah uh they and she gave birth to their daughter Matilda shortly before the film premiered but they broke up sometime later. Uh there was a 14 this budget uh, this film had a 14 million dollar budget estimated and according to producer James Sheamus the movie cost so little to make that it recouped its cost during the first week of the limited release. Wow. And it did eventually get a wide release I believe. Uh so the casting director 
was afraid that Anne Hathaway's previous films, one of which, two of which we have done, The Princess Diaries and Ella Enchanted, <laughs> would work against her during auditions. So the int- this casting director, I don't it doesn't say if it's a man or a woman, uh, introduced uh, her to Ang Lee as a New York City Broadway actress. Hmm. Ang Lee hadn't seen any of Anne's nor Michelle Williams' previous works before the audition, and he cast them both in the film. Interesting. Ang Lee, Ang Lee, gosh, it's going to drive me crazy that I don't know which one to say that. Uh, uh, he gave Heath Ledger and Jake Gyllenhaal copies of a book, not the not the short story. I'm sure they read the short story, but mm-hmm. copies of the book Farm Boys, Lives of Gay Men from the Rural Midwest by Will Fellows, a book that had been mentioned by both Annie Prue and Diana Osana, who was the film writer mm-hmm. who adapted it, as excellent reference source to help them understand the characters. Nothing what he learned from his reading, noting what he learned from his reading, Gyllenhaal said, I don't think that these two characters even knew what gay is. It's like, you know, and that's an interesting. Yeah, that's kind of an interesting, like, assessment. I think that's maybe what he was just trying to describe in the previous Uh quote of like not saying that they aren't gay or that they aren't bisexual, that they aren't those things, but that they don't even have the that those characters maybe don't right, even don't have, have that the vocabulary, vocabulary or that yeah. awareness yeah. of the idea so that they the, as an actor they didn't approach it that way they approached it as you know i, I can see that potentially yeah uh, it's an inter- so. yeah and i can see that being an interesting way to interpret a story like yes yeah. yeah um at the Academy Awards that year, uh, like I mentioned earlier, this film was nominated for Best Picture, mm-hmm. and there was an audible gasp in the room when the presenter, Jack Nicholson, read out Crash as the winner of Best Picture, which is widely regarded amongst many until, oh. I think, this year as the worst Best Picture winner of all time until <laughs> Three Billboards Outside Ebbing, Missouri won. Um, no, you're thinking or, of Green Book. Green Book, Green yeah. Book. Sorry, until the Green Book run. What? Did Three Billboards win before that? I can't remember. They might have won the... Eh, it doesn't matter. doesn't matter. Anyways, but yeah, until Green Book. Sorry, yeah, yeah. Until the Green Book one. And everybody preferred, or everybody thought for sure that uh, Brokeback Mountain was going to win. Nicholson himself admitted that to being shocked because he had voted for Brokeback Mountain to win mm. Best Picture. <laughs> so that was part of his, uh, his, his shock in the moment. Uh, and this is a bit of a spoilers to some extent, for not for the story, but for the how the adaptation worked out. But I thought it was an interesting quote. This is from Annie Prue. I may be the first writer in America to have a piece of writing make its way to the screen whole and entire, she said. Oh. And when I saw the film for the first time, I was astonished that the characters of Jack and Ennis came surging into my mind again. So she very much approved of the adaptation. I just thought it was, again, it's kind of spoilery in terms of like what a, we a do. Bit, but yeah, yeah. I thought that was interesting. Yeah, that's uh, interesting. She said it made its, its way it's to the screen whole and entire. Not often the case that the author... So wholeheartedly yeah. approves yeah. the adaptation. Yeah. So I felt like mentioning it. <laughs> yeah. we'll, see, we'll see if we think that's the case, but she did and she wrote it. So, <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, that was all I had for the preview for Brokeback Mountain. So, yeah, one week. Come back yep. and we'll be talking about that. I don't think I have anything else. I'll pl- we can plug our social media like always. You can find us on Facebook. That, like It's where we post our polls and all that good stuff. Mm-hmm. It's where Katie will be posting the side-by-side of the Titanic and the Brokeback Mountain poster, also on Twitter, Instagram, Goodreads. You can find our subreddit, which is dead, but that's fine. You can still find it, and if you start posting things, I'll start posting things. Uh, and yeah, uh, also do us a favor, go out and rate and review us on anywhere that you download our fine podcast. We did finally break 50 Woo-hoo. ratings slash reviews. 
Oh, we're at 50 on even iTunes, right? on iTunes, yeah. yeah, which is the main one that I that we can see. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah. But anywhere else that you can rate and review us if you want to, fantastic. iTunes is the best. It helps the most, probably. But anywhere that you can do it is, is delightful. So, until next week, guys, gals, non-binary, and everybody else. Keep reading books. Keep watching movies. And keep being awesome.